Welcome to Volunteer Field Notes, a podcast by Go Help Now, a nonprofit dedicated to helping volunteers find ways to help during humanitarian and disaster relief. For this podcast, we interview real volunteers who jump in and go help. We hope by sharing their story, we can inspire you to find ways to use your skills in times of need. This is Lauren, and I'll be your host. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Steve and Dave, two volunteers from the United Kingdom who arrived independently to Poland early in 2022 after the start of the war. They were looking to help out, and then they met each other while volunteering at a refugee center. Soon, they began volunteering with UA Direct, a multinational organization that started in 2022 with a clear mission to provide direct help to those in Ukraine affected by war. As we discussed in this episode, Dave became the expert driver delivering medicine, food, and goods to all regions of Ukraine. And Steve has been the expert logistics operator in the warehouse while volunteering his extra time on the side on other projects to help Ukraine. Together, these inspiring and selfless volunteers make up quite the duo for UA Direct, which operates in Poland and Ukraine. They take goods donations, monetary donations, and also has opportunities for volunteers to get involved. As they get requests from areas in need all over Ukraine, they put those goods to action and deliver them to people in need. As you're probably going to notice, the audio is at sometimes really hard to listen to, and Dave, unfortunately, had pretty bad connectivity. We recorded this episode at the beginning of December, right after some terrible missile strikes in Ukraine, which seriously compromised the infrastructure in Ukraine. Nevertheless, Dave was able to take our call while driving to his next aid delivery drop location. So he goes in and out, and you might not hear much from him, but I assure you, he was hard at work uh, while trying to juggle our phone call, and I'm just so grateful that we were able to meet and, and even hear a little bit of his story. As the cold winter months approach, UA Direct continues their basic good deliveries, but they're also focusing on warm clothing and heating supplies and even generators. They've made aid drops to over 60 locations within Ukraine and continue to support different locations with multiple drops. All of this is done with the help of volunteers and donors. And as Steve tells us in this episode, if everyone does a little bit, it really does help out and it relieves the burden from just a couple of individuals who have to do a lot of work. So if you're interested in this work, if you're interested in UA Direct, um, making donations or volunteering your time, Go ahead and check them out, uadirect.org. Yeah, you've been you've been helping Ukraine for since March, so you know we're talking in it's it's cold outside again. So you've seen a few seasons. You've really gone through the the whole war in invasion of 2022. All right, so um, I want to talk to you guys just a little bit about the work that you're doing for UA Direct. Yeah. Yeah. So. Just going back a little bit, uh, Dave, tell me who, who are you, what are you doing, uh, and what brought you to help during this uh, the war in Ukraine? My name's Dave. I'm from Ireland. Um, when I actually came here, I came here to fight. And then I got to Warsaw. Uh, me and another friend of mine, we got to Warsaw. Um, when we were at Warsaw, we went to the train station, and there was just uh, thousands of refugees. So we did... Maybe we should do humanitarian aid walk then. And um, then we headed to Primish. We headed to Primish and um, we built the kitchen for the refugee center. And we ran that at night time for, I don't know, maybe 
five months. And then uh, I met Conrad. I met Conrad and, uh, and he came up to me one day. He asked me to, uh, I had to find baby food. And just like that, we started UA direct out of uh, the boot of a rental account. So whenever you got to Poland on the border of Ukraine, that's when you started to meet people who had just like-minded, showed up and wanted to help. And you all just kind of synced up and got started providing aid. And it started with, with baby food. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah. You went direct. I was started with a, a rental car full of baby food. Wow. A rental car full of baby food. If that's not like a whole lot of gumption... And uh, desire to help people. I don't know what is. That's um, it's really impressive that you all threw that together. Did you have requests coming in, or was it like, hey, I know that there's a need for baby food in this area. I'm gonna I'm gonna meet the need. An orphanage got bombed, and somebody contacted Conrad and asked if he find baby food. So we just go around the place and help people. And then the requests the requests just started coming in constantly. Did and then you drew it to I mean, I see that you're doing tons of drops every, all the time, continuously. You're getting humanitarian aid and funding from all over the world to make sure that people are getting their needs met and also people on the front line. So it's actually, it's crazy how we just started in the boot of our account. Now we have over 50 centers that we look after, uh, we have donations. It's amazing. Stephen, tell me a little bit about who you are, your background, and what brought you to uh, help in the war in Ukraine. Well, Stephen, 32, from the UK. I was traveling in Europe and decided I wanted to change the job. And then the Ukraine crisis kicked off. So I decided to make my way to the border. And like Dave, I came to uh, serve, but found a different purpose when I got here. But I moved into Tesco, like Dave did, and I, I did cleaning and security. And then I went into coordination and I run the uh, Centre of Chemish for about five months. Uh, when that all got changed over and handed towards uh, the Red Cross and the government, I moved across to UAID and I do a little bit of help in a smaller uh, humanitarian centre as well. Um, but mostly I do logistics for Dave in Poland. I organise his shipment. I load him, he drives and I make sure things are ready for him really. That's great. You guys have quite a bit of team camaraderie. Did that start when you first met in Poland at the refugee center, or do you guys go way back? Just in, just, just in Poland. I met Dave one day. I turned up after I cleaned the bathrooms, and I got him to make me a cup of tea, and then that was it. I've known him ever since, and I probably spend more time with Dave than I do with anyone else, so I'm kind of stuck to him. Yeah, you're kind of stuck to him. You guys are quite a team. Yeah, I am familiar with the center. I was there in Poland uh, with World Central Kitchen this summer, briefly. Yes. And so I'm, I'm familiar with that area. I'm so impressed with all of the organizations that have sprung out of some of the other work that was started there and how even when that work changed, for instance, when the Refugee Center was you know changed over management, how there's so many organizations that pieced together humanitarian aid. And, and you all initially, I mean, there's some reason, regions of Ukraine that you weren't able to get into. So tell me a little bit about how people make requests for humanitarian aid and like, how do you all get connected with these requests? Usually the requests from the beginning came through from specific places. And then from there it snowballed on. 
So we get connections through, say, a doctor or a hospital or a certain group running, say, an orphanage. And then from there, they place in requests of what they need. And then we try to allocate what we have and then try to find more materials to send and more donations. So it's like a cause and effect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the really important things about a lot of the new uh, nonprofits that have come up or the new organizations that have come up to deliver aid is that y'all have people on the ground in Ukraine so that you, like you said, people kind of know each other and those requests are coming from a person to a person so that they can be, they can be vetted so that you know that you're delivering aid to places that need it the most. When I was looking through some of what uh, UA Direct has done recently, it looks like that you all were able to get in some areas of Ukraine that just until recently were not accessible. So tell me a little bit about what you've seen as far as requests, what requests are, what requests are coming in, what are the needs that people are having now in areas that you weren't able to get to previously? Uh, we get a lot of requests for basics and stuff like medication. We have a lot of requests because obviously they're having a lot of trouble with the uh, infrastructure, no heating, no electrics or generators. So there's a lot of infrastructure damage to the areas that are just recently opened up. So what you're really seeing is basic needs, warm clothes, things like that. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. It's a big major one. Food will be an issue, but for the moment, it's keeping people warm and the energy to be able to cook and to do the other stuff, uh, providing that seems to be an issue. Tell me a little bit, Steve, about you said that you're kind of working in logistics support in the warehouse and kind of getting that. What kind of experience have you had in the past in your previous life that you've brought to helping in Ukraine that you found to be really useful? Well, uh, before I worked for a large company, but I worked in warehouses in the Netherlands. So I worked in a system and ran a warehouse with about 100,000 pallets. So from that to this, it's, it's slideable skills. So it's coming handy. Yeah, I think that's, I've talked with someone before who had never really worked in a warehouse and was really surprised that a lot of the work of, of working in a warehouse and humanitarian aid, a lot of the work was about the waiting getting ready, but like waiting for the moment whenever you have a car that comes back to the warehouse. So it might be like 3 a.m., 6 a.m. It could be midnight, four in the morning, whatever it is. Do you find that you're really loading up at all, all times of the day or doing a lot of waiting? Yeah, I find that while warehouse, there is a lot of waiting and we're skipping back and forth to try different things. And when we get the, um, the time gaps in between it's kind of why a few of us have alternate things to do so that's why i work in the center because we get a lot of delays and people need uh, issues with vans or they can come at six because they set off at two in the morning and so yeah a lot of the time it's responsive and waiting for things and well as logistics is lots lots of packing hurry up and waiting and being ready i guess yeah and being able to change your plans at a minute's noise so we've got to be flexible all times, you know. Yeah. I mean, that really takes a toll on volunteers as well. I mean, I know that you went there knowing that you're not you're not there on vacation, but I know that can really take a toll, just that constantly having to be on alert and to change directions. What are some of the hard things that you have found that you didn't expect? What are some of the most difficult things about uh, volunteering your time uh, in this way? 
I'd say the hardest one is prioritizing where we think we're best off helping. We can, we can't do everything. We can't help everyone. So we have to work out where we can make the biggest impact with the, the smallest supplies. Um, time-wise for the cells, it means that so socially and personally, we, we're kind of off to one side and we fit our stuff around what we do. So it, it is very full on and it's the majority of what we do and it's probably the number one mm. Um, issue we come across is that, that that time to separate work from ourselves. But mm -hmm. I guess that's why we we didn't come here for ourselves. So it doesn't really seem hey, to matter. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, Dave, you're back on. Hey, Dave. Dave is driving, uh, currently driving uh, uh, some supplies. So you keep going in and out of view, but we see you now, Dave. I'm glad you're back. We were talking a little bit about some of the difficulties that come with just prioritizing the supplies, where they're going. Are you providing the right thing? Steve says that's one of the most difficult things of trying to help. When you're you're on the road, right? So Steve's mostly in the warehouse and you're mostly on the road, on the receiving end. What are you seeing, Dave, whenever you show up at places to make your humanitarian drops? Like, what are you seeing uh, in Ukraine, in the areas you're going? And you don't have to tell me the regions you're in. I, I want to make sure that we're protecting people. But uh, what do you see? A lot of people ask me that question. And in reality, we don't want to realize the We see things that I will probably never forget in my life or probably will never again. Dave's going in and out. I want to ask um, Stephen. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what's next for UAID Direct? What's next? So what's next for us? Yeah, that's next for you guys. What's next well, for the Ukraine? With humanitarian rooms. I think the next thing for UAID is to be as big as possible, to be honest. Sounds like from what I'm, I've been following UAID Direct's, what, what they've been doing and the amount of work that they have put into just the direct aid, just, uh, you know, just like a little something about what they recently put out is it takes about 2,000 euro to fill up a van with emergency provisions, even ones that are purchased locally and delivered to the areas that need it the most. So that's that's quite a bit of, that's pretty expensive. And I've heard a little bit about the inflation that's happening inside of Ukraine and the, how difficult it is to get goods. How, do you know anything about like the funding for UA Direct? How, where is it coming in from? Um, the funding comes in from people who just want to donate to us. You know? We get help from people who see what we're doing, need what we're doing, and then give up what they can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like there's so many people that want to want to help and want to be involved. So I think that what y'all are doing is pretty direct and specific. And uh, for funders that are out there, it's just a pretty clear path to being able to directly help people in Ukraine who are suffering. What is something that you want people who haven't been following the war. What is something that you want people to know uh, who might be listening to this podcast and just learning a little bit more about what's happening still in Ukraine? This, you know, nearing December, uh, you know, ten months of war. If everyone does a little, then we don't need. People. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think there's so many volunteers, such as yourselves, that are really volunteering and giving a lot of their time. But if everyone just gave a little bit or just did a little bit, then it would really go a long way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, each of us helped one person. It doesn't take everyone. Previous to helping in the war in Ukraine, I mean, do you have friends who are Ukrainian or did you have much exposure to the Ukrainian culture um, back home? 
not direct. I lived in Europe for a long time, and while I've travelled, I've worked in lots of different jobs, and I worked inside a few Ukrainians. But it was less about it being Ukraine, I guess, and more because. I realized I could do summer, so I should do summer. Mm. I was free and available. And yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the sentiments for the people that I know that have spent so much time volunteering is that of the people they've met in Ukraine, the new friends that they have made, the connections, we're all really excited about going to Ukraine to celebrate and to rebuild and to continue to help once there's victory in Ukraine. Do you feel like you share that sentiment with a lot of volunteers and Ukrainians you've met along the way? Oh, for sure. Well, we have plans and ideas for when it's finished, we'd we'll like to help more with like, And we're already starting to work out in years to start the future. So if it does end and when it ends, we can, can go in and do a specific task, build a house. Maybe just fix a road. But there's stuff we can do, you know, to kick that and back so that they don't struggle for them. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that you're thinking ahead and it makes me really excited to think about the new opportunities that'll be there for people. So if people aren't involved now and they're just now like learning about all the things that are still happening in Ukraine, there is going to be time in the future for rebuilding and celebrating uh, once the war is over. Well, I know that you guys are doing incredible work there and I've seen some of the video footage that uh, has been uploaded on UAID Direct's website. So I know that you all have made many, many families and people within Ukraine more comfortable. You've fed them. And it's definitely a, a good feeling to be able to help people in that way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think I've had a job which has given me such a good feeling. This is something I can do. And it's not me doing it for something, but I'm doing it for someone, you know? Yeah. It's very personal a lot of people that are volunteering to help Ukraine right now are also Ukrainians who have just recently fled from very dangerous situations. Are you, do you work alongside Ukrainians who are now working around the clock just as you are? Yeah, we have a lot of crossover, a lot of our additional drivers, say, outside of our UAID coverage because we have a limited amount of volunteers and funding. But if we have extra donations, there's many groups who will turn up and they load up and they are gone. And we see them the next day. And we know it's 12-hour drive. A lot of national drivers. Absolutely. I mean, and so it's like a lot of international, a lot of people that are coming together. But there's still a lot of Ukrainians who are just doing this rigorous work, even though they just, even though they are also displaced within Ukraine. And they're also suffering or their family is back home. I think that's one of the things that's so impressive to me is that the people do have that national pride and that they're they're going to work to save their people and so anything that we can do to offer to help to help lighten the load or help fund it can be can be useful for them they're willing to do it themselves they just need the ability to do so so we make it so that they have this and then they make the best of that chance yeah you said that the the driving drops like once you load up the truck in uh Poland, full of humanitarian aid, it takes 12 hours to drive to the location. Is that right? To some locations, Ukraine's a big place. So sometimes a, a trip for Dave going all the way to the far side of Poland, uh, the Ukraine, it can be three days before he returns. Or, you know, and if he drives and has not much sleep, then maybe he's home in two. It's as large to drive across Ukraine than it is to drive across all of Europe. 
yeah, that takes a long time. And then, and then often just coming back to the warehouse, reloading and going back out there, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I drive faster than missiles. <laughs> Did you say you drive faster than missiles? They haven't hit me yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I drive faster than missiles. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I... I'm just so, I'm so grateful to meet you all and to see you face to face. Um, and this is really, um, it's really a pleasure to meet people who are on the ground that are doing so much hard work. And I will just say, you know, I know that you have quite a, quite a group of Ukrainians and multinational uh, individuals that are also on your team. And sometimes it's really hard for me to interview and tell the stories of the Ukrainian nationals themselves because of safety issues. Um, we don't want to expose anyone, of course, that is volunteering their time, but also might still be in danger because the war is still waging on. So I know that meeting you and talking with you is you're representing a whole lot of people who who are still in Ukraine and are doing a whole lot of uh, really hard work to help their people. Thank you all so much. Um, yeah. Such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for agreeing to give me some of your time today. Yep. All right. No problem, Lauren. <laughs> you, you, don't, you just let us know. And I'll tell Dave because he's gone. Okay, he's, he's out of here. <laughs> he's got stuff to do. All right. See you, Steven. See you soon, my love. Right, bye. bye. It was so great talking with Dave and Steve. They were super gracious, hanging in there through a myriad of audio issues. So I'm really glad that we were able to deliver part of their story to you. Thank you for listening. To find a variety of opportunities to volunteer, please check out our partner directory at gohelpnow.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at volunteersgohelpnow. And if you're an organization currently seeking volunteers to help Ukraine, please reach out to us at gohelpnow.org forward slash contact us for information on creating a free profile in our directory. Thanks for listening.